Good morning, everyone. If you'll please stand with us. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Spirit, Lord, we come, we gather together to lift up your name, to call on our Savior, to call on your grace. Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Spirit, Lord, we come, we gather together to lift up your name, to call on our Savior, to fall in your grace. Hear the joyful sound of our offering, as your saints bow down, as your people sing, we will rise with you.
sorrow and dead my sin Lost without hope and no place to begin Your love made a way to let mercy come in When death was arrested and my life began Oh, ash was redeemed, only beauty my orphan heart was given a name. My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance. When death was arrested, my life began. Oh, your grace so free washes Yeah. 
Amen. Amen. We are free, free indeed. Man, what a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Would you take a moment and welcome those around you? All right, you may return to your seats and be seated. All right, you can go sit down. Well, good morning. I see you got the same energy that my six-year-old has this morning, so that's good. It's always so good to be in the house of the Lord together. I hope you had a great winter uh, break. Those of you, some of you were able to get away. Some of you just kind of had a staycation. Some of you just went on like normal. Uh, throughout the week, but hopefully we, you had a great week. want to welcome you. If this is your first time with us, we're delighted that you are here to worship with us. We would appreciate if you would let us know this is your first time. Uh, there's a QR code that you can scan in the bulletin, fill out some information about yourself. There's also a connection card out there um, in the foyer. We also have a welcome gift uh, for you, and uh, please, on your way out, just stop by, introduce yourself uh, to me if we haven't already spoke, and uh, thank you so much for being here. Well, today's an exciting day because we get to worship uh, together. Next Sunday is going to be a really exciting day in the life of our church. So hopefully you're aware of what's going on with that. Um, next weekend, there's some information that you want to uh, take note of in the bulletin. So after the sermon this morning, uh, we'll sing a song together of worship, a, a, a hymn, a, a song of commitment, and then we'll take the Lord's Supper together. And then after that, um, if you'll just kind of hang tight for a few more minutes, because we want to do a couple things. One, uh, we want to show you a picture of our prospective candidate, uh, give you his first name, so at least you know what to call him when he comes next weekend, and his wife's name. Um, but then also, we want you to hear from our three other committee members, uh, Pam, Jude, and Ryan. So they're going to share, uh, just as Rebecca, Alex, and David did uh, last week, and so we'll have a time at the end of the service uh, to focus on that. Um, and so as you're aware, his family will be here next week. There's a couple opportunities 
uh, for you on Saturday uh, to meet with him. So our students and their parents at 10 a.m., that's not in the bulletin, but we'll send something out this week through Remind. 10 a.m. in the Fellowship Hall, we'll have breakfast, and you have a chance, students, to ask him a question. So think about those questions, and then Saturday night, um, from 3.30 to 5, you can meet him in the Fellowship Hall. We'll have some food for you to munch on, and then we'll come in here at 5 o'clock for the Q&A. Now listen, you don't have to be a member of Northside to come Saturday night to, to hear, to partake in that. Um, obviously, Sunday morning he'll be preaching, and then after he preaches, we'll go into our church conference. You do have to be a member of Northside to be able to vote. Uh, to call him um, as an ex-associate pastor. But if you're like, hey, I'm not a member, but I have a youth, can I still come? to? Yes, you can come to the breakfast. Uh, you can come and just learn more about him. Hopefully you're thinking and praying about membership, and so we want you uh, to have a chance to meet um, him. And so please pay attention. There's some other things in the bulletin we don't want you uh, to miss out on. Well, if you didn't notice when you came in this morning, the table up here, you know, because I mentioned it, we are having the Lord's Supper today. And so praying the scripture this morning comes from 1 Corinthians 11, and it simply says this, let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. We'll say more about uh, communion uh, in a little bit, but at this moment, I just want us, if you haven't already done that through the worship, just to prepare your hearts as we continue to worship Prepare your hearts for the preaching of God's Word, and then to prepare your heart uh, for the Lord's Supper. So take a moment, uh, pray, um, confess any sin that needs to be confessed, and then I will pray for us, and then we'll continue to worship together. Father, you call us to examine ourselves. Lord, the reality is you already know us better than we know ourselves. This morning, fathers, we begin to get into some practical applications of what we saw last week of putting off the old self and putting on the new self. Father, this morning, the verse that's going to be before us is putting off falsehood and speaking the truth. God, sometimes we're guilty of, of hiding the truth from other people. We pretend to be something we are not, and, and we can get really good at fooling others. But God, the reality this morning is we cannot fool you. You see right through our hypocrisy. You see right through our charades. Father, you see right through our falsehood. So Father, right now, God, as we're about to sing of your grace, as we will end the sermon this morning, focusing on your grace. God, right now, would you help us just to be honest with you, to confess our sin, to confess our failures. God, just to cry out to you this morning, to be honest with, with you, to be honest with ourselves. Father, if we are guilty of sin, particular sin, habitual sin, continual sin convict us of that if there's anyone here today who has never put their faith and their trust in you jesus as lord and savior convict them of that show them their need 
for Jesus. Their need for him to be Savior, but also the call upon our life, God, that Jesus, you would be Lord of our lives. Thank you for your grace. It is your grace, and because you are gracious, that you have set us free, that you have given us life, taken these dead men, these dead women, You've breathed life into us, and it's all because of your grace. Thank you for that grace. Be glorified as we sing of that grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand, and let's worship together. is amazing, isn't it? Amazing grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. 
Thank you, choir. Miss Tracy. All right, at this time, our children are going to make their way out for Children's Church. If you will please take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. So last week we talked about how, how the Word of God says that we lived a certain way before Christ, but we have now learned Christ, we've come to know Christ, and as a result of that we are new, we are changed, we are different. And in those verses that we looked at last week, it was very general. But now what Paul's about to do in verses 25 through the end of 4 and, and the first part of verse 5 is he's going to give us some exhortations. There's five exhortations that we're going to look at over the next several weeks. We're just going to look at verse 25 um, this morning, and then we'll combine some of the other ones as we go forward. But um, so, so what I want to do this morning is I want you to see that when it comes to these five exhortations, we notice four things that are true about each of them, and I'm going to let that kind of be the outline this morning. And, and I'm going to show you how verse 25, those four things are true in verse 25, and, and then they're true uh, in the rest as well. So if you have your copy of God's Word, would you please stand in honor of the reading of His Word? We're just going to look at verse 25. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. This is the Word of the Lord. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Father God, as we open your word, as we study your word, Lord, as we begin to see the very practical nature of your word and how it applies to our lives, and how your people, by your grace, as we've been forgiven of sin, but also been made right with you, Father, through Jesus, that we are now righteous because of Christ. As we are indwelt with the Spirit of God, your people are to look and live differently than an unbelieving lost world. Father, if we are not living that way, then would you convict us? May we rely upon your grace. May your grace just fill this place this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So there are some statements that you will hear that you just question their truthfulness because you've heard them and they just don't seem to be very true. Like this one, the check is in the mail. Or, I'll start my diet tomorrow. I just I don't know if I buy that. But um, Give me your number and the doctor will call you right back. <laughs> Define right back. Or this one, one size fits all. I, just, how's, I mean, how's that possible? Uh, I just need five minutes of your time. Your table will be ready in a few minutes. Open wide, it won't hurt a bit. And then my favorite, this will hurt me more than it hurts you. That is a lie. No, it won't. But I have used that one on my, on my sons, uh, though I don't know if it's true. Right? Um, and so we hear these, these fibs, these statements. We, we laugh at them. But we live in a culture where lying is the way of life for so many people. In the book, The Day America Told the Truth, which was written in 1991, so before social media, so I think these numbers are even higher today, 
they write that according to surveys, 91% of those surveyed lie routinely about matters they consider trivial. 36% lie about important matters. 86% lie regularly to parents. 75% to friends. 73% to siblings. 69% to spouses. Those numbers are overwhelming. We live in a society of liars where people are always lying. And Paul addresses that. As he talks about, we've gone from this old to the new, how we have been changed. The first exhortation he gives, verse 25, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. So notice four things about these exhortations. Number one, with each of these five exhortations, there is a negative and a positive side to each of them. There's a negative and a positive side to each exhortation. Tony Merida writes, Holiness is not just about saying no to sin. It is also about saying yes to God. So no to sin, but yes to God. In other words, we must replace sinful habits with holy habits. And so each of these exhortations, there's the negative and then the positive. So look at verse 25. Therefore, here's the negative, having put away falsehood, remove falsehood, let each one of you, here's the positive, speak the truth with his neighbor. So what are we to put off according to God? We are to put off falsehood. We are to put off falsehood. We are guilty, if we're honest, of bending the truth in so many ways. From a half-truth to a white lie to a lie that is covering for someone else to the exaggeration to just outright cheating to a silent lie where somebody may say something about us and we know it's not true, but we don't want to correct them because we look better based upon what they said. Right, The silent lie where we just don't say anything. We lie because we are sinners. It is our nature to lie. I've said this multiple times from this pulpit. You don't have to teach your kids how to lie. You do have to teach them how to tell the truth. Because we are just liars by nature. We lie because we are sinners, but we also lie because we are afraid the truth will expose us and our sin. It ultimately comes down to pride. It's why we lie. Pride. We, if we're honest, are most interested in protecting our kingdom of one. It's about me and my kingdom. And I want to protect my image and my name. And I have to, if I have to lie about it, I will do it. And if my lying hurts you in the process, so be it, because I'm really concerned about my kingdom of one. And when you think about those statistics, 86% lying to parents. That's not comforting as a parent. 75% to friends, 73% to siblings, 69% to spouses, right? Our culture, we tell lies and, and we're guilty of that. And so Paul says, you're new, put off the falsehood. Put it off and replace it with what? Replace it with speaking the truth. John Stott writes, certainly the avoidance of lies is of little use without the active pursuit of truth not only are to we avoid the falsehood and the lies but we are to be a people who are actively pursuing 
the truth. Our life before Christ, the old self, was marked by falsehood. But you have learned Christ. And because you have learned Christ, you are now new. And so now we must be marked by truthfulness. A distinctive feature and mark of you as a Christian ought to be one of truthfulness. People ought to say, man, Aaron, he's a man of his word. He's a man I can trust. He speaks truth. Put off falsehood. Put on truth. So that's the first thing. With every one of these exhortations, there's a negative and a positive. The second thing is this. These exhortations are relational. They're relational. Every single one of them impacts other relationships. So what does, he, what, what does the Word of God say? Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his what? Neighbor. So we are in relationships with other people. And therefore, right, what we say impacts other people. When we lie, it, dire it directly impacts other people. So two things I want to say here about this. Number one, we must be a people who faithfully pursue to speak truthfully about each other. That we speak truthfully about each other. And if we're going to be a people who speak truthfully about each other, that means this is to be a place where gossip is not tolerated, where gossip is not on our lips. Because we are speaking truthfully about people, and speaking truthfully about people means you're not going to talk about them behind their back. So we want to speak truthfully about each other. Four preachers met for a friendly gathering. During the conversation, one preacher said, listen, our people are always coming to us and they're pouring out their hearts and they're being honest, confessing their sins. He said, we need to do the same. Confession is good, and so let us model that. One due time, they all agreed. So one pastor went first and he confessed that he liked to sneak off to the movies and he was guilty of watching some movies that he, he knew his church folks wouldn't approve of. The second confessed to liking to smoke cigars. The third one confessed to liking to play cards and gambling a little bit and when it came to the fourth one he wouldn't confess the others pressed him we all confessed what is your secret sin finally he answered it is gossiping and I can hardly wait to get out of here <laughs> right we're if we're honest we're all guilty we hear something and even maybe there's good intentions of man I need to go tell so and so so they can be praying for them well, if you don't have permission, you shouldn't go. And listen, gossiping is easier today than it has ever been. Because you can send a text, an email, you can throw it out on Facebook for everybody to see. We are to be a people who are to speak truthfully about each other. But secondly, we are to be a people who speak truthfully to each other. No more exaggerations. No more lying. We want to be truthful to one another another now hear me truthfulness does not demand that we tell everything we know there is a thing called confidentiality and if someone comes to you and says i want to confide in you if you come to me and say pastor i have something i need to say to you can i trust you i'm going to say this to you especially if you're a teenager i will keep whatever you tell me a secret unless you're hurting yourself or hurting somebody else. If that's the case, I've got to tell somebody. You need to know that up front. But if you come to me and just say, hey, I'm struggling with this, will you pray for me? It's not my business to go tell everybody else. It's my place to say, yes, you can trust in me because I'm an honest person. 
right? You don't always have to say everything you're thinking. You don't always have to share every opinion you have. That's not necessarily truthfulness, right? You need to learn discernment, when to speak, when not to speak. You should be known as honest and reliable. In other words, you and your word can be trusted. Let's take a time out. Because when I was 10, 15, even 20, early 20s, I didn't have to worry about how these principles applied to social media. Because now we do. So when Paul talks about putting away falsehood, as the Spirit of God is writing this, he never would have imagined there would have been things like Facebook and Instagram and all of the stuff that we have. So if we're talking about putting away falsehood and speaking the truth with one another, that applies to how you conduct yourself on social media. Social media can be a place where it's very easy to share lies and fake news. And as a Christian, you should have no part in that. I'm just going to be honest with you. If you share stuff on Facebook, I personally believe before you share it, you better do your research to make sure it's true. Now, if you're just sharing something about you, that needs to be true as well. And, and there is this fake life that we have on social media where everybody thinks we're great when in reality we know we're not. So we got to be honest, and what we share must be truthful. Why? Because fellowship and relationships are built on trust, and trust is built on truth. Our relationships, right? we got to learn to trust each other. But to trust each other, we have to be truthful with each other and about each other. And so put on truth, right? Speak the truth with his neighbor. So all of these exhortations are relational. Third, these exhortations, and this is so important, are all rooted in theology or in doctrine. In other words, our practice and our theology are tied together. Your belief shapes your behavior. So when we read, put away falsehood, why? Why do we really need to put away falsehood? Because of what the Bible teaches us. And when we understand what God's Word teaches us, we are more likely to want to follow this in our lives. So let me just point out four as it relates to being truthful, honest people. The first one is the doctrine of God as it relates to this specific exhortation. So what do we know about God? Let me just give you some verses. Hebrews 6.18, it is impossible for God to lie. Titus chapter 1, verse 2, and hope of eternal life, which God who never lies, God who never lies, promised before the ages began. John 14.6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 16 through 17, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. John 17, 17, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Why should you live a truthful life? Because the God who created you and the God you worship is an honest, truthful God who doesn't lie. And we want to accurately represent who he is. So we want to be men and women of truth. Second, the doctrine of Satan. The doctrine of Satan, you probably didn't think that would come up in a sermon, right? The doctrine of Satan, what do we know about Satan? Well, one specific verse that relates to this issue. John 8, 44. 
You are, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. We are to imitate God, who is an honest, truthful God who never lies. But when we lie, when we are dishonest, we are imitating Satan who is the father of lies. And that should, not want, that should not be a part of our life. We shouldn't want to imitate Satan. The next doctrine is the doctrine of sin. Just sin. Exodus 20, 16, and you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Leviticus 19, 11, you shall not steal. You shall not deal falsely. You shall not lie to one another. Proverbs 14, 15, a faithful witness does not lie, but a false witness breathes out lies. Colossians 3, 9, do not lie to one another. Why should we not want to lie? Because it's sin. And we have been saved from our sin. Jesus died for our sin. So falsehood, we shouldn't want that to be part of our life. Ephesians 4, 25, literally reads, therefore... Having put away a lie. Having put away a lie. Now some commentaries um, relate this to Romans chapter 1, verse 25, speaking of idolatry. It says, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And rather than worshiping the Creator, we begin to worship the created. And when we do that, we are guilty of idolatry. We serve the created. We protect ourselves. We imitate the father of lies. But there's another uh, doctrine here that he roots right here in the verse. So go back to Ephesians 4.25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. And then he defines for us in this context what a neighbor is. For we are members one of another. The last doctrine I want you to see as to why we are not to lie is the doctrine of the church. The doctrine of the church. Neighbor is defined by members one of another. Now, Paul here is quoting from an Old Testament book. And if, if, if you want, turn there. It's Zechariah. It's towards the end of uh, the New Testament, if you're not sure where Zechariah is. Or end of the Old Testament. Zechariah chapter 8. Zechariah chapter 8. So the context in Zechariah chapter 8 is God's people are, are going to go back to Jerusalem. They've been in exile. He's going to restore them. And so he has some instructions for them. So let me just point out a few verses. Uh, Zechariah chapter 8, verse 8. And I will bring them to dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. They shall be my people. I will be their God in faithfulness and in righteousness. Uh, verse 13. Um, and as you have been a byword of cursing among the nations, O house of Judah and house of Israel, so will I save you, and you shall be a blessing. Fear not, but let your hands be strong. And then verse 16, and this is where Paul quotes from. We'll read verse 15 and then 16. So again, have I purposed in these days to bring good to Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Fear not. These are the things that you shall do. Speak the truth to one another. Render in your gates judgments that are true and make for peace. Do not devise evil in your hearts against one another, and love no false oath, for all these things I hate, declares the Lord. Here's what God's doing. He's bringing His people, who have been in exile, back home. 
And he says, when you come back home, just as you were to be in the beginning, you were to be a people set apart. And this is how you were to live. This is how you were to conduct yourself as I bring you back into Jerusalem. When you come to Ephesians chapter 4, what you see Paul doing is he's talking about a new community of God's people, and it's called the church. And he says, in the church, you are to put away falsehood and you are to speak the truth with his neighbor. Why? Because we are members of one another. Quickly, let me just recap. Ephesians 2, verse 16. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Chapter 3, verse 6. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Chapter 4, verse 4. There is one body. Chapter 4, verse 16. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And now he says, you are members of one body, therefore put away falsehood and speak truth with one another. Look, your body and your brain are constantly communicating. And it's vital that they're on the same page. Absolutely vital. So imagine if I walk into the kitchen and I see my wife, Ryan, pulls out a casserole dish and sets it up on top of the stove. I know from experience that thing just came out of the oven. It is what? Hot. Don't touch it. But what if my eyes and my brain lie, something goes wrong, and they lie to me? And they tell my hands, that's not hot. My eyes, my brain are saying, that's not hot. If they're not communicating properly and I walk over because they've said it's not hot and I pick it up, I'm going to get burned and I'm not even going to realize it. It is absolutely necessary that our brain and our body communicates properly. It is more vital that in the church we are unified and on the same page. That we are communicating and in relationship properly with one another but hear me that is impossible if we deal falsely with one another or if we lie to one another or speak about others behind their back you cannot have the unity that we must have for the kingdom of God and for the glory of God if we are not living truthfully with one another. And then here's the last exhortation that I want to drive home before we worship together one more time, and that is this. These exhortations are based on God's grace. Every single one of them is based upon His grace. He says, therefore, what is the therefore, therefore? It comes in light of what He has just said. The old man is gone. You've been renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now you're a new person, right? This is how you're going to live. Very general, and in light of that, he gets very specific. Very specific about how we are to live. So here's the reality. If we are going to reflect Christ, if we are going to be men and women who put away falsehood and who speak truth with each other, then you and I need to be saturated with the gospel. Because the reality is, you cannot live this kind of life apart from the grace of God. You cannot live this apart from Jesus Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection. Right, The forgiveness of your sins, you're being made righteous. You cannot live this kind of life apart from the Holy Spirit who indwells you. Why? Because it is not your nature 
Your nature is to lie and to protect yourself and to hurt others. But God in His grace transforms us. And so when it comes to this issue, we need grace. Listen, you need forgiveness. Because you're liars. So am I. Some of you have told a lie this week. You told a lie this morning. You're already planning on telling a lie today. Trying to hide something from your parents or from your spouse. You need God's forgiveness because you're guilty. Some of you, this morning before you eat or after, if you don't have time, you need to go to somebody and you need to say, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me because you spoke falsely about them or you talked about them behind your back. Some of you have been hurt. You've been wronged. You need God's grace to help you. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe somebody in your life, they hurt you, right? And you need God's grace. They lied to you. They, they promised you something and they didn't fulfill it, right? They deceived you and you need to be willing to forgive, to let that go. But none of that happens apart from God's grace. So hear me, this will, this will be on the screen. The good news of the gospel is not do this and live. That is not the good news of the gospel. Do not misunderstand me. Paul is not saying, put away falsehood, speak truth, and you will live. If that's the good news of the gospel, we're all going to hell. Because none of us can faithfully and consistently live out these commands and these exhortations in our own strength. The good news of the gospel is not do this and live. When the Bible says liars are going to go to hell, you're going to burn. Right? That's all. We're all liars. That's what we deserve. The good news of the gospel is Christ has done something and he's done it for you. That's the good news of the gospel. We are in just a couple minutes. We're going to pass out the bread, and then we're going to pass out the cup. And, and we eat of this together. We'll all eat the bread first, and then we're going to drink of the cup together. And when we do this, we are being reminded this morning of the need for the gospel of Jesus Christ every day of our lives. That every day we are to feed upon Jesus, that he's our only hope. He's our only way for forgiveness. He's the only way for change in our life. That we are in need of his grace and of his mercy. That the gospel is not you do this. The gospel is Jesus has done it and now you are free. That's good news. Because some of you are ensnared in the life of falsehood right now. And the good news of the gospel is if you confess that, the Spirit of God will set you free. Yes, your pride's going to take a hit. And yes, somebody may get hurt if you have to confess. Your parent, right? you've got to confess something to your parent or to your spouse, right? It may be a rough day. But at some point, we've got to be honest about who we are. We've got to be honest with God. We have to be honest with one another. And the good news of the gospel is that there is grace and forgiveness for the worst of us, chiefly me. There's grace for us. So here's how I want to end before we worship together with a song. It's to go back to 1 Corinthians 11, verse 28. It says, let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So how are you this morning in living a truthful honest life but most importantly and most pressing are you being honest with God this morning because as I prayed earlier 
you can fool me, and you can fool your spouse and your kids for so long. Some people fool them indefinitely, but you can never fool God. He sees right through you this morning. And my responsibility as the pastor is as we participate in this ordinance that Jesus has given to us is to guard the table. That none of us takes this this morning in an unworthy manner and brings judgment upon us. And so if there is sin in your heart, whether it be the sin of lying, of dishonesty, of exaggeration, or a sin completely unrelated, as we worship together in just a moment, as we sing, I'm going to ask you right where you are, Maybe you need to get on your knees. Maybe you just need to sit down in quiet meditation. Maybe you need to come pray. Maybe you need to bring somebody with you and you need to pray. And you just need to say, God, I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. I need your mercy. I need to confess this sin to you before we eat and drink as the body of Christ. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, there are times that your word is so encouraging and so comforting. And there are other times that your word convicts. And it cuts. Father, for some in this room, man, their hearts have been pierced because they are wrestling with this honest, truthful life. They're struggling with it. And they know it. They're hiding something. They're lying. They've, they're guilty of gossip. Father, convict us of that. Father, for others, we've been hurt as a result of dishonesty or gossip. And, and Lord, we're still trying to process through that. God, for others, there's other sins. And we're going to get into some other exhortations in the coming weeks. And if lying isn't one we struggle with, then one of these other ones is going to hit us. Father, this morning, it's about confession. It's about being honest with you. It's about letting your truth and not Satan's lies wash over our hearts. And resting in that truth and understanding that if we come to you and if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That your blood does indeed wash away our sins. So Spirit of God, move in this place. Speak to our hearts as we sing this song of praise and we lift it up to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. And just worship with us before we take. We bow our hearts. We bend our knees. Oh, Spirit, come make us humble. We turn our eyes from evil things. Oh, Lord, we cast out. Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. 
seated. Our deacons who are serving the Lord's Supper will come forward. While they're coming forward, um, most of you in this room, right, you have taken of the Lord's Supper in some capacity, probably in a Southern Baptist church, so you're familiar with how we do that, but I don't ever want to assume that. So just a couple of things. Uh, number one, um, who can participate? Who can eat of the bread and drink of the cup? Anyone who has a relationship with Jesus Christ and has personally put their trust in him. We don't believe you got to be a member of Northside to do that. And so if you have given your life to Jesus, right, the Bible says, do this in remembrance of me. You can't remember something you have never personally experienced. So if you have believed in Jesus, then we invite you uh, to do that. The other way we do that, churches do it differently, um, is we eat and we drink together. So we'll first pass out the bread. Um, when you receive the bread, if you'll just sit there, um, just in a, a state of prayer and meditation, Miss Ann will be playing the piano, and then I will lead us, and then we'll do the same um, with the cup. Right? This isn't something that we just add on to the end of the service. This is part of our worship service. This morning, this is at the center of it. Preaching of God's Word is always at the center, and this morning, this is right there with it as we eat of the bread um, and drink from the cup. So it says on that night that Jesus first took of the bread... And he said that this was his body, which was given uh, to us, his body given to us. So if our deacons would stand and let me pray, and then we'll pass out the bread. Father, we just sang, give us clean hands. Give us pure heart. Jesus, 2,000 plus years ago, your hands were pierced. They were nailed to the cross. Your body, though no bone was broken, your flesh literally broken for us so that we could be forgiven of our sins, so that we could know the righteousness of God, being made righteous. This is all by your grace and your mercy. So, Father, as we eat of this bread, pray we do it in a way that honors you as we remember the sacrifice you made for us. In Jesus' name.
Amen.
Jesus said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Scriptures tell us that on that night, Jesus also took one of the cups, and he said that this cup represents a new covenant by his blood that will be shed for us. A new covenant of grace and mercy and of salvation that comes only through the name of Jesus. So now we'll drink of the cup together. So if our deacons would stand, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, your blood is life-giving. It is life-changing. And our only plea today is the blood of Jesus that cleanses these wretched, hard, stony hearts. And God, right now, whatever sin it is that needs to be confessed, it is your blood that covers it. And so as we drink this cup, not only do we remember, the Word of God also tells us we are proclaiming that Jesus Christ, you are coming again. And so we thank you for that hope that we have in the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Jesus said that this cup is the new covenant in his blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you for the hope that is in Jesus. Father, we thank you for the exciting work that you're doing here at Northside. Thank you, God, for how you work all things together for good. And we just pray, Father, for your will to continue to be done in our lives and in your church. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, hey, we want to just take a couple moments. Um, again, just so you can hear from the rest of our uh, search team members. But before you hear from Ms. Pam, uh, Ryan, I think you got a picture of our candidate. So up on the screen, uh, this is Gary and his wife,